This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. This week, Vaidehi Joshi tells us about creating Base CS, a fun and approachable exploration of computer science. Now, Vaidehi is a hero of mine. I'm just delighted to be sharing this conversation with you where we talk about never selling yourself short, forcing yourself to do the work, and handling negative feedback. Uh, if you don't follow Vaidehi uh, everywhere after this, I just don't even understand you. This episode is sponsored by Infinite Red and Retool. Retool helps you build internal tools remarkably fast, like super fast. Want to see just how fast? Go right now to retool.com slash react podcast. Now, internal tools. I bet you have experience with a few internal tools, and I'm guessing that experience is bad. Yeah, polished internal tools are never a priority for businesses, which is a real shame. Internal tools are where we fix problems, delight customers with fantastic support, and avoid those pesky requests to just change this field in the database. Internal tools don't have to win awards, but they should be good, complete, reliable, and fast to build. With Retool, you get all of that. Retool is a drag and drop interface creator for engineers. It empowers you to build the internal tools you need in hours, not days, and gets you back to diligently obsessing over public facing features. Connect Retool directly to any API or database, then drag the resulting elements right onto the canvas. It's brilliant. To get started, visit retool.com slash react podcast. Retool, the fastest way to build internal tools. Infinite Red gives you access to developers that know the direction that React and React Native are headed. This is a superpower because it means you get to spend more time delighting customers and less time debating, evaluating, and switching to and from the latest state management library hotness. Infinite Red have been designing, building, and shipping quality apps for 10 years and offer their expertise and industry connection to you. Infinite Red will give you $750 for starting or referring a new project. So to get expert help from Infinite Red, visit reactpodcast.infinite.red. Vaidehi, welcome to React Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, we scheduled this like a month and a half ago. I think you just came back from a sabbatical. I did, yeah. We, you reached out to me and you were like, I'd love to talk to you. And I was like, yes, but not for three months because I have a sabbatical <laughs> coming up. So let's talk after that. How, how was that experience? How, how did you enjoy your time off? Oh, it was really good. Um, it was somewhat relaxing, somewhat productive. Uh, I feel like it should have been longer, but that's okay. <laughs> I took a month off. Um, okay. But, you know, it's... It's good. I didn't I didn't take off so much time that I forgot how to code and I didn't take off enough time that I was like, "Oh, I don't want this is nice. Maybe I just won't go back to anything in tech." So there's like a good balance where I'm like, I got some time off, yeah. but I'm still jazzed to be back and, you know, doing stuff. So, it was good. Did you take that opportunity to take a break from social media as well? Yeah, I I spent like 2 weeks where I didn't really like check my phone more than once a day. Wow. Maybe twice. It was really nice. Um, it also helped that I was like, I took off my sabbatical to focus on another project. So I was, I was sort of like, well, 
I'm not just like sitting around doing nothing. I actually have a goal. And then I also traveled. And then so when you, I just, I don't buy Wi-Fi on planes and then I just unplug. So I just ended up not really talking. Planes are beautiful for that. Yes, I know. It was great. I was like, I don't exist. Everybody knows I'm sabbatical. (laughs) I'm, you know, turning off Slack. All my notifications are on mute. It was amazing. How did you feel that 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 period of time uh, kind of, did you feel a marked shift to your mental health as you were able to like unplug from from work, from social media, from all of those things that um, are always like just constantly grabbing for your attention? Yeah, I I think it was just like, I don't know, it was like refreshing in a way of like, oh, I'm going to go do stuff, but none of it is what I do normally. And so it was yeah. like, you know, oh, I'm going to go outside and like go on a hike or I'm going to go have this unscheduled afternoon where I will do whatever I want. And I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> and sometimes it's like reading a book, um, but it's just like things I wouldn't do normally. And like, I think that is really refreshing. It's like sort of hitting reset on all your normal behavioral patterns. Yeah. And then you really notice, you're like, oh, wow, why do I keep reaching for my phone? Maybe I, <laughs> maybe I have a dependency there. <laughs> or like, wow, totally. my, you know, my eyes feel so good. Maybe it's because I'm not looking at a screen for nine hours. <laughs> I feel so light. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's I I took a sabbatical last year and I just remember feeling like this sense of adventure no matter what happened, mm-hmm. like even if we didn't do something like fun and exciting, just feeling like wow, like every just seeing my life with a different pair of eyes. Yeah. And it was awesome. How long was your sabbatical? Uh, uh, the same. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a month and it was it was great. Like I, I really loved that feeling of just absolute freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every two years, everybody should be required to take a sabbatical. Yeah. Like, why do we not live in that world? I want to live in that world. That sounds great. Like, I, I feel like I too want to live in that world. It's a great prevention for burnout, and then like also you come back and you're like, oh, I really want to do this job. Not like, oh God, yeah. I have to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have created just this really brilliant, approachable program for learning uh, computer science concepts. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. I'm really excited to, to talk with you about it. Um, but before we talk about talk about base CS, I want to I want to get a picture of like what your career was like before you embarked on this base CS journey and kind of what that moment that sparked the idea was? That is a great question. So let me think back. When I was starting Base CS, it was, I actually started the project January 1st of 2017 uh, because I do all my projects on a year-long basis because I like to commit to things, (laughs) but not too much. (laughs) I just commit for 365 days. That's it. Um, But so it was 2016. um, I at some point early in the year, I was looking to switch jobs. And I, I basically was at my first uh, dev job uh, a little bit more than a year. Um, and I learned a lot, but I I kind of felt a little bit uh, stuck because I think there's like, there's a certain point when you're learning to code, whether you did it through a boot camp like I did, or you went you know, through a degree program, or you taught yourself, like you learn a lot. And you learn a lot at the beginning very quickly. And then at some point, things start to get a little bit harder because now you're sort of (laughs) teaching yourself a different way of thinking. And it's like you're going to run into some concepts that are more complicated. Um, And 
even if you're really excited and enthusiastic about it, everybody learns that and approaches that differently. And so for me, the thing that I kept coming up against was all these computer science terms and problems and concepts. And I would be in rooms and conversations where people would talk about it. And I would sort of just nod and be like, oh, I guess everybody knows about this, but I don't. And I would just <laughs> nod like, yeah, totally. And then I would go home and be like, what is this thing? And I, I figured I could go as far as I could without really understanding it because it never really blocked me until probably a year into my career. Mm -hmm. And then I went to interview for another job and they asked me a computer science problem. And they asked me to code it in a language I didn't even know. And amazingly, that was not the scary part for me. I was just like, wait, <laughs> you need to explain this problem to me. This is this is like not something I'm familiar with. And it seemed very intimidating, um, but the only thing I knew to do was to like teach myself that because I was never going to use it at work, but apparently I somehow needed to know it. So it was up to me to <laughs> fill in the gaps. And that's sort of what was the impetus for um, teaching myself computer science because I realized very quickly I didn't know it. It seemed like everybody else did. And I had to figure out a way to, you know, put myself at the table where I also knew what everyone was talking about. And so that's when I started like looking for resources to help me learn like fundamental concepts. Like, I mean, I'm talking mm -hmm. like, what is binary? I don't even, I didn't even know. Uh -huh. I was just like, I don't know, zeros and ones. And like, yeah, like spoiler alert, yes. But like also like <laughs> why and how does it work and sure. stuff. Um, and so I would look for resources and they were like, there was nothing that was approachable to me at where I was. So I had to basically go find all these more complicated resources, read them, and try to distill it down to the actual concept. And while I was sort of doing that, I was like, well, why don't I just write this down as I go along? Maybe I'll use it later. And that's sort of how BaseCS was born, just like for my sheer will of like trying to understand it and like hoping that it would be useful sometime down the road. Yeah. So so you have this idea to 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 write down your your journey, but I know you started on you said January 1st, 2017. Mm -hmm. And what was your goal? Like, did you have, were you just going to write as you, as it came to you, as the needs came up to you? Or did you have a, like a, a pattern that you wanted to, to hold on to through the year? I just wanted to write every week for a year. Okay. So that's like 52 weeks. Um, and the reason I wanted to do that is because if I didn't have some sort of accountability to myself, it would never happen. <laughs> so I was like, it doesn't matter what you write. It, you just need to Learn one new concept, any computer science concept, and write about it. And just do it week by week. And at least by the end of the year, you'll know 52 new things, like at a minimum. <laughs> like there's not that much to lose. Um, and so I didn't, because I didn't have a CS degree, I didn't really have a syllabus. I didn't know what order to learn things in. And I, I knew like, oh, I need to learn about trees. I need to learn about what is big O notation. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. So I would just like, I had this Excel spreadsheet where I would just like write down topics and I would try to read about one and I'd be like, oh, wait, 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 I need to learn these six things before I learn this other thing. And Interesting. through my own exploration, just like sort of dipping my toes, I sort of populated this whole list of topics and just organically, I would go from one to the other. And conveniently, I didn't have to care about what I was going to write about because it just sort of, I just fell upon it. And I, since my yeah. goal was just write once a week, it didn't really matter what I wrote about in December because in January, all that mattered is what are you writing this week? You know, it's such a powerful tool that I think a lot of people don't 
unless you've gone through it, unless you've committed to it and actually gone through it, you don't realize how valuable that is. Like just the idea of, because I think people get caught on like, what is what is what I write say about me? Like, <laughs> and the thing is, nobody nobody cares, right? Like, it, what matters is that you get into the practice of every week. And like you said, it doesn't matter what you write. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as you have like learned something and you've gone through the practice of of putting it out there, summarizing it in a way that is valuable to you, eventually you will start writing things that that are valuable to other people and that people can find. Yeah. How did you find that people found your work? Were you were you marketing it right at right up front, or was it just kind of this like, hey, this is a thing that I'm doing. You can follow along if you like. I think all I did was tweet what I wrote every week. Okay, and I was just like, I'm going to use this hashtag BaseCS, and here's what I'm doing this year. And I don't even remember how many people were following it at the time, um, but at some point, uh, it the it it just totally spiked. I think it was the the post I wrote on Linkless because the title of the post was like, what is a Linkless anyway? And maybe that just like <laughs> really resonated with people where people were like, yeah, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the other people in that yeah. meeting where you thought that they knew what they were talking yeah, about. And, and we were just like whispering <laughs> like, in hushed tones on the internet, like, do you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, at some point, I, because I would, I would tweet it, but I, I think also like I would I think I just tagged it like computer science on Medium. And I I think this is like before a lot of platforms even existed and Medium was where everybody was writing. I just picked that and I was like, I'm just going to keep writing it. At some point, it really just took off. Um, And then people started following the hashtag and they started following the series um, and it started gaining a lot of traction. But yeah, when I started, there was no intention behind like I wasn't really branding it or trying to market it. I created like a little logo because the real reason is because medium like is like you, when you publish something, please upload a logo. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I like hand drew something and uploaded it. And then like, yeah, it, it just conveniently a branding formed around it because I think the name is really cute and like punny and, people would find one post and that would uh, cause them to stumble upon many, many others. And people who started reading early on in the year who didn't know computer science were like, oh, I'm going to read this every week as she writes it and I'm going to learn with her. Yeah. Um, and so just I think by the 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 nature of being so disciplined and diligent and um, being being accountable that I'm always going to post mm-hmm. – also made it easier for people to follow it kind of like as a story of like, what are we going to learn about this week? Or how are we going to tie this into something we learned about last month? Um, at least that's what I have sort of garnered. I, I don't think I'll ever understand the full <laughs> impact of it because it's cross-posted on so many places now. Like I don't even know yeah. the readership because it it's so hard to for me to capture it. Because again, I'm not I don't know anything about marketing, really. So I was like, I learned it on the go. <laughs> Same. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, the name is punny. Could you describe that to me? Because I've heard this, but I think I, I need you to I need you to spell it out for me. So it's base CS. Um, the idea being like when you're learning binary, it's like base two, just like how, you know, we do base <laughs> 10, which is like the denary counting system. So when I was learning about binary and I was like, oh, base two, like... That's our that's the binary counting system. And this is like the basics 
of computer science, base CS, like the, the accounting nice. system of computer science. So, and people are like, is it basics? Is it base CS? And I was like, it is whatever <laughs> you want it to be. <laughs> that is the beauty. I don't need to answer this question. <laughs> I love that. It's so well tied in together. Yeah. Tied into self-referential. Yes, I love self, self-referential things. It's great. <laughs> That makes sense now why the CS is below mm-hmm. the, the, the base. I get it now. I get it. <laughs> I got what I came for. We can wrap it up now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, one of the things that sets this, um, I don't know, I'm going to call it a curriculum for a lack of a better word, but like sets your work apart is just these really great illustrations. Um, was this a new territory for you or did you have some experience in, you know, art design, you know, illustration before? No, this is a completely new thing for me. Um, And the only reason, so there are two reasons. One is I really love stationery. And so I was like, this is great. I'm going to buy all these cute dot grid notebooks from Muji. (laughs) Uh, And like, I bought all these colorful pens. And the other reason, the real reason is that I learn um, by writing things down and just through visually kind of like sketching them out. So for me, it was also a teaching tool. Cause if I read about a concept and I wanted to like, for example, if I read about an algorithm and I was like, wait, let me see how this actually works. I would work through it. And as I was working through it, I was like, Oh, this is exactly how this works. It's like step-by-step. Step. I'm, you know, for example, I am implementing a merge sort. Now I can visually see how merge sort works rather than trying to read some code somewhere and being stuck with the syntax. I just wanted to like strip out any anything that was going to make the concept hard to grasp, which is also why I don't really use too much code in BaseCS either. And the code that I do use is actually JavaScript because I wanted everybody to be able to just open up their JavaScript console, run it and see what happens. And like, yeah. I just, I didn't want people to get stuck on um, like the how of how it's working. I just wanted it to be like, this is what it is. Like, just tell me what it is bare bones, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, I I love that as a practice. I I had a I I did, gave a talk one time and it was when I was trying to learn about um, composition in React, composition of components and I just broke it down into something that I could draw, which was like if these were circles, how would they look in relationship to each other? And um I, I mean, I gave that as a talk and I don't know how valuable it was to other people, but I know for me being able to like from that point forward, see the shapes in my head mm-hmm. every time I attacked that problem again, uh, was just, it was, it was invaluable. And I love that, love that about your work. It's, it's fun to hear that that was a new experience for you. Yeah. And I, I think the cool thing about your example of the components is now you kind of created your own language for thinking about that concept. And I'm sure, I'm 100% sure other people who are watching that talk, like they had their light bulb moment where they were like, oh, because <laughs> there people learn differently. And like, yeah. there are other people in that crowd who are visual learners. And then some people probably got it by you saying, and they're auditory learners. And you just never know how, how it will click with someone, which is why it's so important to have different kinds of resources yes. that will present the same idea to someone in a way that might really make them understand it. It might not make the person sitting next to them understand it, but that doesn't really matter because everybody's different and they're going to learn differently. Now, with the popularity of of this course, you said that, or this material, you said that it's kind of gone outside of your reach. You don't even know, like, wh- wh- who's reading it now. <laughs> yeah. um, and then just with the uh, 
preciousness that a lot of people kind of regard their computer science degrees. Um, what what has has response been like to this as um, as you put out into the world something that is kind of taking something that feels maybe impossible or like people like to to feel lofty about and kind of breaking that down into small digestible approachable pieces the approach or not the approach the uh response um has been i like to think of it as like 99% positive and 1% negative <laughs> the problem is that the 1% sometimes uh screams louder than the 99% <laughs> and so it yeah. feels Every once in a while, it feels like the 1% is like, you know, very daunting and insurmountable. Um, but the truth is that most people really appreciate it. There are some people who will, I think, no matter what you do, if you're creating content, there are some people who will find it very easy to sit behind a screen and be like, oh, well, you explained this wrong. Or actually, <laughs> compiler doesn't really work like this. I, were, you know, I, I worked on this back in the 80s, and this is what we did, and I'm sort of have to like shrug it off and be like, yes, that's what you did, but I'm I'm not talking about that specifically. I'm talking about <laughs> it generically. The thing you're saying fits into what I'm saying. I don't understand why, why you're leaving this comment, but that's also why I don't read the comments anymore. Um, <laughs> but like the, the main thing is that there will always, I think, be um, a sliver of people who will take issue with what you do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of it is just like computer science is such a, it is such a lauded thing, you know, like people mm -hmm. like to lord it over others sometimes. Um, more and more I've run into people who don't do that, but I know that they do exist. Sure. Um, and I think tech is changing in a lot of ways. And it's more people come into it with, you know, no CS degree or with non-traditional backgrounds. Um, people are realizing, oh, wow, you don't actually need to have this stamp to be a good developer and contribute <laughs> something. Um, but I think there are still some people who, are a little gatekeepery about who deserves to have this knowledge. Um, yes. And so I think if I put myself in their shoes, I imagine that they must be frustrated thinking, you know, I did this four-year degree and she just came in and didn't have, get a degree and, like, is writing about this and she didn't have to, like, pay her dues. So I can understand where they're coming from, even though I disagree. Um, but I think the truth is, like, the, the tide is going a different direction. I think it's going in the direction yeah. of, like, lift everyone up, give them access to these resources, even if uh, they don't want to get a degree or maybe they don't have the resources to get one. And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about BaseCS. And to that point, that's one of the reasons I never put it behind a paywall is because I already felt like computer science is so, like kind of sits in its own ivory tower. Um, and <laughs> I kind of feel like it shouldn't. So by not putting it behind a paywall and always making it accessible and free, um, it gives, it affords opportunities to people who may have never even had, they may have never even seen themselves possibly doing something like learning what a heap is or building their own website. You know, it's, it, I think it's really, it can be really empowering. Um, but when you do empowering things, like some people are always going to take issue with that. But I think that means you're doing like a good thing. You know, there should be a little yeah, resistance. Yeah. yeah I, feel, I feel like there's a natural, uh, desire to close the door behind us mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh and, and and like you said it's it's easy to to understand that even though it's wrong right like we should mm -hmm. be ushering people in as, as much as we can 
what have some of the success stories been that you've been able to hear through making this content more approachable? Oh, I've heard people say that they um, read a couple base CS posts before uh, interview, and then they went to the technical interview and then used base, like they remembered what they learned in base CS and like <laughs> nice. coded a binary tree and they got the job offer. Um, awesome. People have used it for, they're in, they're getting their computer science degree and like the night before an exam, they're like, I don't understand, like, <laughs> what is a red black tree? And they go read the post on it and they were like, you saved me in the exam. Um, which I think is very funny because they're the ones in the CS program and I am not. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And just, I think I've also heard of people who, you know, got a CS degree 20 years ago, um, found these posts and were like, oh, I never really understood this 20 years ago or you you framed it in a way that my professor never did. And like, I'm having like a light bulb moment or people who are CTOs who wanted to explain these things to like junior engineers on the team. And now they're just like, I just tell them to read the posts or listen to the podcast. And like now they have somewhere to go. And there's also like a bunch of different um, nonprofits who are using the curriculum, the material as their curriculum to teach um, under kids from underrepresented communities uh, STEM awesome. concepts. So, I mean, this is only the p- things that I've people have told me. I can't, I don't actually even know the full <laughs> scope of it. This is just like people who've reached out to me and you know explained. But yeah, I it's as I've said, I don't know how far the reach is, but these are like little tastes of what people have used it for, which is pretty cool because when I wrote this, I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to ever read this or if anybody (laughs) feels like this, but I feel confused. (laughs) Oh, totally. So it's nice to know I was not alone. Yeah, I think it goes goes back to your you're talking about how everyone like learns differently. And I know for myself, I've had plenty of things where I don't understand it. I just know that it works. Mm-hmm. And if I keep repeating the pattern, then I can keep working. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I know that it's really fun to to kind of have those uh, light bulb moments after the fact, right? Where you've you've put in maybe like six months of using this this concept without ever fully under fully understanding it. And then you see a post and you're like, oh crap, like that's that's what I'm doing. Like now I have a mental model. Like, so I don't have to just like keep copy and pasting the thing that I did the first time. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's one of my favorite things about mentoring and teaching other engineers is I know the track that they're on and I kind of see them going in that direction. And I'm like, mm, in about a month, they're going to be like, oh shit. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, I'll just be like, so hmm, you should, you should read about this thing. And then like, they'll stumble <laughs> on it themselves, but it's just cool to like yes. be there when it happens and yeah. see that, that experience. Now you have adequate context to want to learn this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And I know because I've had the same experience where I was like, oh, compilers are just this. Oh my God, now I want to read only about compilers. And it's a cool thing to feel that excited about something because you suddenly feel like, you know, you're like, you got to peek behind the curtain. It's like in the Wizard of yeah. Oz where you're like, oh, this is how it works. Well, it's it's so interesting because these these concepts are tied into so many things, like not just computer science, mm-hmm. but I know that, um, you know, like uh as a designer, like I'm, I'm constantly working with hex values, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, a base 16, right? And mm-hmm. if you understand how that works with other like number systems, it's like, oh, like this, it, like it all starts to make sense why like after nine you go to A through F. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. 
There's there is a method to the madness. The only problem is we just haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. <laughs> and then when you do, you're like, oh, it's not madness. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's lovely. <laughs> um, so that that brings me to like a, another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, this show is like primarily focused on on, on React for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious for front end developers, how how does an understanding of computer science really help them help them today? Well, I think front end development is probably I think it's actually like one of the hardest kinds of <laughs> of work you can do in computing, um, which is really funny because sometimes people will be like front end is. I mean, I know nobody on this in your audience will think this, but I've talked to other engineers who like are self-proclaimed backend only. And they're like, front end is so yeah. easy. And I'm like, actually, I think front end is extremely hard. Yeah. First of all, is like distributed systems and front end is just distributed <laughs> computing. Don't even think about that. Um, but then also like the DOM is just a tree. Yeah. You know, and you have nodes in the tree. And then when you have to deal with... Um, when you're, when you're working in frameworks, you have actual like ASTs and you're trying to figure out how to parse them. And, you know, framework authors will tell you that they think about like traversing through and walking uh, the AST and parsing it. Then you have JavaScript, which is um, if you're learning about JavaScript and using it, you need to understand what an interpreted language is. And if you need to know what an interpreted language is, it's good to know what an interpreter is. And that's a computer science concept. Um <laughs> Man, I don't even, uh, th- there's also then like V8 uses, I think, quicksort as its sorting algorithm. I think it's quicksort or merge sort. I can't remember. Okay. Somebody should look it up. I, I looked it up like in 2017. Now I've forgotten. But w- it uses an actual sorting <laughs> algorithm. When, so when you use sorting methods in JavaScript, you're using those algorithms. Those and algorithms. You, of course, don't need to implement it. But like one day you might find yourself, you know, looking at the source code for maybe some bad reason. I don't know why something bad happened and you're reading source code and like you run into it, like it, it's there, it's sprinkled throughout. Like just the fact that if you're working with React or Angular or Ember, and if you're working with anything in the DOM, you're working with a tree. And if you're working with hex values, if you're a front end developer, you're working with hexadecimals like I don't need this is all stuff like I'm just pulling off the top of my head but like this is just like the tip of the iceberg and I am I think it's interesting that like with web development you can be so productive without knowing any of this yeah and that's fine nobody says you need to know it but I think at some point everybody in their career is either going to run into like a weird bug or some sort of inconsistency or they're going to be like wait but how does this work you know, like yeah, you, yeah. something is going to cause you to veer off the happy path, whether it's by your own doing or some some situation forcing you to, um, or maybe you find a bug in a framework and then you end up figuring out that something is weird with how they're parsing, you know, and you never thought you were going to do that, but that is the reality of technology. <laughs> things break and things are unpredictable and it helps to like, if you don't know computer science, that's fine, but it helps to have like a curiosity to like figure it out, mm-hmm. um, which is why for people who are curious um, but can't find the resource, there should be a way to like help them learn on their own. Yeah. Um, because being curious about learning it is one thing, but then what do you do when you're curious and you're like, wait, but I can't find anybody to help me. And that's like a really yeah. shitty feeling. <laughs> it's not a good feeling yes. to have. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, there are so many 
I mean, like in React, you know, we talk about uh, component trees all the time, mm -hmm. right? And we talk about uh, O of N or big O notation and like performance all of the time. Oh, that's another and one. A lot of times, it can, <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like uh, it. these things can feel like um, like a barrier or like a, a separator, right? Like it's like, oh, well, I'm just the person who consumes the library. Uh, I don't really know like all of those like big things that like people are talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll just let them solve the the hard problems. But if you if you know these things, you realize like it's all of it is kind of just using these same con these basic mm -hmm. computer science concepts um, that you have, you know, illustrated on your uh, on your in, in your material on your podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So maybe you could help us out a little bit for those of us who are a little bit confused about what O of N is or like big notation in React and why it's so important for the people making React. What is big O notation? Great question. Big O notation is just how you measure how something works. And usually when you're measuring something, you care about um, like how much time it will take or okay. how much space it takes. And the interesting thing about big O notation is that when people talk about it, they're usually talking about the worst case scenario. Um, and what that means is if we run this uh, function with 10 items, how does it behave versus if we run this function with 10,000 items? Um, so big O notation is just like sort of talking about like how to measure things in the worst case scenario. So I think on your your podcast you described this in in a way that I'd never uh, was very helpful to me and I never thought of before, uh, which was that it's like the the big O notation is really just like a grading system. Mm -hmm. Like it's how we say like this is a really good algorithm or this is like a you know like a pretty all right one. Like you might have problems down the line and a way of associating, um, I guess like <laughs> like how performant something might be given a long period of time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why that's why um, you'll often hear people like if you go to a technical interview and they'll they'll ask you to write something and then they'll be like, "So, what's the time complexity of this?" What they're really asking is like, "Step back and tell me, tell me how this will how this same function will work if we you know scale it up," <laughs> which is really all it <laughs> is. It's just like, okay, give it a grade if it, if you have ten things versus ten million things. Like, how does the same thing behave? And that's that's how we kind of want to think about um, big O notation. And I don't know, I don't know why it has to be called something or why why it has this reputation of being so scary because I was also scared of it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh my god, it's gonna take me a month to learn this. And then I like one day I like read about it and I was like, huh. Why is why is this so intimidating? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to um, ask you about. You were talking about how different learners le learn in different ways, mm -hmm. and I'm absolutely one of those people. I have a hard time uh, reading long blog posts, and so I appreciate the illustrations, but I also appreciate um, the conversation that you're having on the Base CS podcast. Uh, so I'd love to know how did that come about. Um, how did you uh, meet Saran and start doing that show together? Uh, I, I, it's my favorite way to consume the material that you're you're creating. Oh, awesome. uh, so how did it how did it get started? Yeah, uh, the story behind it is really funny. I think probably a little bit halfway through the year that I was writing Base CS back in 2017, Saran reached out to me um, and she was like, "So." Let's let's chat about this base CS thing. And she was like, to be honest, the first time you said you were gonna do this, 
I was like, oh, that's a cute idea. But then you actually wrote every <laughs> single week. And I was like amazed. You actually like went through with it and your your stuff is really good. And I was like, yes, I am nothing if not a person who schedules. <laughs> it's on my calendar. I will do it. Um, well, most of the time. <laughs> but she basically brought the idea to me of um, presenting the, the content in audio format. And the idea being that she has this whole community of code newbies of people who, you know, mm -hmm. entered with a non-traditional background or who are teaching themselves how to code. And I have this whole community of people who want to learn computer science. And I had the content and she had this entire audience and her audience could benefit from my content. And a lot of the people yeah. who are using my, con my content were in her audience. And so what we realized is that if we took my content and her amazing production and podcasting skills, we could create sort of a new reborn version of BaseCS that is in auditory format. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, we actually found a whole third group of people, which is people who learn technical concepts through through audio, which we didn't actually even think about that part. We were just thinking about our own two communities. But then it turns out there's like this interesting intersection at the Venn diagram of our two communities, which is people like, for example, we had one listener who was blind. And for him, the BaseCS podcast was like awesome because he now had a way of consuming this content that often is very visual, yeah. including my own posts, which are very visual. So it was kind of cool to take it into a new form. And I did a similar thing with videos too, because there are some people who, you know, need both auditory and visual um, combined and like having the videos kind of helps because you get both of those. Um, and that was something I did with uh, the Dev2 community. And it was pretty cool to be able to bring the BCS content to life in video format as well. Yeah, I love I love the different formats because something that I really appreciate about the BCS podcast format is that I really like that discussion, mm -hmm. I guess, because it feels a little bit more like, um, you know, Saran's kind of playing the role of like the questions that I would ask, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't I don't fully understand. So like, you know, flesh this out for me or like, wait, what about this case? You know, kind of like kind of poking at it. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, that's something that that is hard about written content is that I want to kind of like interact or like poke at it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just like a little bit harder to do that. And I remember the moment that I was hooked is, I think it was like one of the first episodes and you were talking about binary. And uh, you were asking her like, what no what number comes after like nine? <laughs> I think. Yeah, and, this is a good like, one. She was trying to understand like, well, like binary doesn't like, like make sense. Like, why would it like, why would you go from like one to like 10 or whatever? Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, what comes after nine? And she's like, oh, 10. <laughs> and like, what, what would you do in that case? Yeah. And you're like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It's, it's, pre it's pretty cool to be able to have that interaction too, because sometimes she'll ask me questions that force me to like revisit my own material. And I'm like, wait, hmm, how do I explain this? And it's, it's a challenge sometimes too, because if you don't have visuals, yeah. you are really pushed to like, make sure you understand the concept and then can explain <laughs> right. it without being like, well, if I drew you a picture, because in podcasts, you don't have that as a crutch. So you have to be a little creative, <laughs> which I think is what makes the podcast so fun. Yeah. Well, what has been your your biggest, I guess, revelation on this journey? Like as you have gone from, I want to write a post a week about computer science-y stuff. Don't know what, but I know it's going to happen once a week <laughs> uh, to really have you know, just spun off all of these these conversations about computer science. Um, what's been the thing that just kind of uh, like you still look at wonder at, like just kind of confused, like how did this happen? Like, and, and like, what is my role in all of it? 
I think I'm just amazed that if you if you really really uh, care about something and you're really really motivated and you have the grit, like I think we we underestimate our own capabilities. So looking back on it now, like mm -hmm. I'm kind of like that was wild. I don't understand why I thought I could do that and why I did that and also how did I manage <laughs> to do it like but I I my desperation to understand is like what drove me to do it and yeah I think it's interesting because I think um a lot of people will underestimate like what they're capable of learning or doing um and you, we see that a lot in tech right where people will build things that they're like I just really wanted to build this thing that didn't exist and now it's turned into like this huge project or it's turned into this company or I built this framework because I didn't, I, I needed a tool for a job and now it's this open source project and all these people are using it. And I think if we're driven enough to do something um, and we have the grit to get through the hard parts, because there are a lot of hard parts, it's pretty cool to come out the other side um, and see what manifests. And it's, I think another thing worth noting is like, you should never go into it with the intention of like, I'm going to, write this series and then have a podcast and then like, you know, do this project. I'm going to get paid all this money. Like that, those never end up being a good foundation. Like if you have an idea and yeah. you have like the discipline to do it, you are actually way more well-equipped, I think, than, than we think we are. Um, and it's pretty cool, like to look back on it now. It's been almost three full years since I started BaseCS and like, wow, it's cool. Like you, if you just set out with intentions of like, you know, just trying to get through it and not thinking too much about the reward at the end and just doing the work. Um, you don't know the ways in which it will benefit you, much less all the other people around you. Yeah. That's been the thing that I'm like still sort of floored by. Was there a moment where you almost gave up? Oh, many. You're like, this is too <laughs> there, much. Many. I mean, there are many where I felt like giving up, but because I you know, made this promise to myself. And then, you know, externally, I told everybody I was going to do it. I was like, I have to keep going. But there was one post on Radix trees that I, it was so hard. Like I just was going to cry on a Saturday afternoon. Cause I was like, I spent all day trying to understand this. I don't understand. Um, and eventually like I kept plugging away at it. Like two days later, I came back to it and, you know, I read some more and I tried to write it out and Eventually, I found some sort of video that explained it, and I watched it three times, and eventually I did get it. But there are many times that I was like, you know, why am I doing this? Why did I sign up to do this thing? <laughs> or like, this is too hard. Like, this is this is where I should stop because this is all I'm capable of understanding. And I'm really glad I didn't. Um, and I'm working on a project this year that's on distributed systems. And distributed systems are also really hard. And there are many times this year that I was like, why did I pick this hard topic? I feel like giving <laughs> up. And I still keep doing it, but I acknowledge those feelings are there. Um, and I think if the other thing, like kind of going back to what we touched on early in our conversation is like, if you do it and you have the discipline, like you can get through it, even though you're not kind of feeling like it. It's like going to the gym. That's what writing is. Like, yeah, if you set your alarm, get up and do it. Um, and there are some days you don't want to be at the gym and you hate it but you go anyways. And that's what writing is. There are some days I don't want to write and I just get up and I do it. And the next week, sometimes I feel more in the mood and I learn something cool. And you just, yep. you got to keep working that muscle. Now, as someone who's found themselves in this, in this place where they created something that didn't exist before. And um, as a writer and like teacher in tech, like what do you feel like the role of writing and teaching in tech specifically 
is now and like what it'll play in the you know next year, three years, five years? I think just uh, technical education and especially writing has improved since I got into the industry like some five or more years ago. Um, but I think we need more more of it. Um, the main reason being that everything in our industry changes so fast and we always have to keep learning. And if there are people who are very talented at teaching, then they're the ones who are going to sort of, you know, it, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, like a rising tide lifts all ships. Like they're the ones who are oh, going to yeah, yeah. sort of lift us up. Um, and I think that's especially true because we have more and more people who are entering the industry. Um, and we, you know, as an industry, we like to talk about like diversity and inclusion. And we're, you know, we're investing in getting all these people in who don't look like the typical programmer, but why do they all disappear <laughs> once they enter the field? <laughs> and it's because like we aren't, thinking about including all of them once they're there. And I think, you know, sort of yeah. to hit on the idea of like people learn in different ways, like people are coming at topics in different ways. They're, somebody yeah. might, you know, start learning their first, they might write their first line of code as like a React app. And if you don't have the documentation to make it easy for them, they will give up right then. And then they never even had a shot to <laughs> start their career, you know, because they didn't yeah. think they could have one because the documentation didn't explain something. Not to say that, that's what the React docs do as an example. Um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> there are lots of like there are lots of situations where people are like, oh, why is writing important? And I, documentation is a big one. Um, I actually think yeah. the React docs are pretty good. Um, but in general, I just think that like being able to explain concepts is such a has been such an undervalued skill. And I think now we're starting to see people really place value on it because yeah. people leave engineering teams. You need to be able to teach new one, new people who come on or being able to teach somebody um, how a code base works or how a library works, like that that knowledge is kind of the core of everything that we do. And it changes so fast. It's so ephemeral. Yeah. Um, so we need to be able to like hold on to that skill. When it feels like as the the need for engineers just becomes more and more and we have more people coming into the field, a lot of people are looking for teams that, can be good educators, mm -hmm. right? That can bring people into the fold and welcome uh, curiosity at every level, not just at the, the highest levels, but like really young curiosity as well. And it seems like the teams that are going to succeed over the next handful of years, at least from where I'm sitting, are the ones that are are better at educating people who are really early on in that that programming journey. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, hiring is hard and it's expensive. And so when you invest in, if you're a team that's like super invested in getting, you know, newer talent, but then you can't keep them there because you're not mentoring <laughs> them and, you know, helping yeah. them understand these concepts, then it's kind of like, you know, there's like whole you're you're punching holes in your own boat so to speak like you're you're hurting yourself so i think the more yeah. people value this uh the better off those teams are going to be but like also the better off the whole industry is going to be and i i'm glad that i think it is shifting um yeah i hope it continues to go in that direction well vidahi thank you so much for your time thank you for your insights where can people find more uh, out about you and uh, your base CS, base DS. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter. That is where I post the things that I'm working on. It's also where I share all my writing. Um, my Twitter handle is at Vaidehi Joshi. Um, 
If you want to learn more about BaseCS, you can head over to basecs.org. And I also have basedS.org. I don't think I talked about it too much, but BaseDS is the new series on the basics of distributed systems, which is really interesting. There's also the BaseCS podcast, which is at BaseCS podcast on Twitter, and you can hear it wherever podcasts are found pretty much. <laughs> and then there's the BaseCS video series, which is through Dev2. And there's a new project that came out this year called Bite Sized, which is exploring the history of how different um, different things came to be in computer science. So we talk about like Dijkstra's algorithm and the first compiler. Um, and it's really short, cute, fun videos, also produced by Dev2. This list is making me realize I think I do too many side projects because I can't even... <laughs> You've done quite a few. That's quite a list. I'm like, is there anything else? <laughs> we'll link all of these in the show notes so that people can find them really easy and, uh, and, and, and get to your stuff. I think you're doing amazing work. I... Uh, really value and appreciate the work that you're doing to help our community just, uh, you know, broaden and deepen. Uh, you're doing amazing work. And so just personally, and on behalf of the React podcast audience, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing to help us be better programmers. Thank you so much. That's so kind. Thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. It was, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for being here. Anytime. This has been episode 108 of React Podcast with Vaidehi Joshi and Chantastic. For links and notes, everything, visit reactpodcast.com slash 108. Thanks to our sponsors for making this episode possible, Retool and Infinite Red. Build internal tools remarkably fast with Retool. Visit retool.com slash reactpodcast right now to see just how much time you could be saving, how many more support requests you could say yes to if you just use Retool to do it. Visit retool.com slash reactpodcast to get started. Retool, the fastest way to build internal tools. Now, if you have a project that's gone off the rails, get Infinite Red on your side. They've been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years and offer their expertise and industry connection to you. Yes, to you. Get expert help from Infinite Red at reactpodcast.infinite.red and get $750 when you start or refer a new project. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.